Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Grant and Danny on the fan. Welcome back. A Darius Dameron, Ryan Clary production. We got you covered today on 106.7 The Fan, taking you up to 6.30 this evening. We told you we were going to discuss Washington's offseason plans in the NFL with Brad Spielberger. So let's get to it. He is the R&D and salary cap analyst for PFF, a former NFL front office member as well. And he joins us on the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Visit BetQL.com. Brad, we, we actually want to start here in Washington before we nationalize things out to the rest of the NFL. And I want to start with some of the decisions they've got to make. Deron Payne's a pending free agent at defensive tackle. He was ranked today number four in the top 50 ESPN put out of their pending free agents. What kind of money do you think Payne can command at that D-tackle position, which has exploded over the last year? He and Javon Hargrave both hitting the market at the same time. Yeah, the big thing is that market growth coming up. There are so many young, super talented players that are going to expand the market. And even though they're going to get paid after Hargrave and Deron Payne do, their agents, of course, know this and know where the market is going and can kind of say, hey, you know, we're operating from the framework of we think this interior defender market is going to have a bunch of guys in the, you know, 23, 24, 25 million per year range, bridging the gap from the guys where it is now. Um, and Aaron Donald, obviously, above 30 million. So uh, I think, long answer short, Deron Payne's top 10 on our free agent list, uh, number 10. And I have his contract. You're getting a little peek here. This comes out later this week. Uh, I have a four-year, $80 million deal for him, um, so $20 million a year. Brad, do you agree with me? Well, let me just – I'm trying to get a big-picture sense of this thing. So, you know, the NFL, like every few years, there's like a new paradigm of how it has to be done and, you know, sort of team building. There's so much copycatting going on. I feel like we're in the interior pressure is the thing. Like era of of football team building, right? Just because of the quick passing games and some of these shorter quarterbacks uh, who are so athletic are moving around so much that you've got to bother them quickly. And the best way to do that, shortest point between two two or shortest distance, two points, straight line. Interior pressure has kind of become that much more to premium. So I feel like guys like Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne here locally are benefiting from that. Or is that just because I'm I'm just sort of looking here in this market? Give me your thoughts. No, I agree 110%. That is, you know, I think probably Aaron Donald made it even more sexy because he's just this incredible, you know, freak defender. But now in a general sense, you're seeing a push, like you're saying, to you can get two quarterbacks faster from the interior. Also, you know, all this money going to tackles and more and more players, 
you know, more and more teams trying to spend there and, and get better at tackle, then I think teams, defenses realize, hey, let's attack the middle, go up against guards and centers that are not as talented. And then, of course, now there's kind of this shift, you know, Quentin Nelson reset the guard market. So I think that is the A, the big part of it. The second part of it for me is because defenses are now playing more too high shells, have fewer defenders in the box, if you have these really good interior defenders that A, can rush the passer, but then B, are also still stout run defenders, they matter more because, you know, not missing tackles and, and making those plays up front is going to save you yardage on the back end because there are just not going to be as many linebackers and safeties on that second level to make that play in the run game as well. So along those lines, Jonathan Allen, who Washington's already paid, who's a terrific D-tackle, will be in the Pro Bowl for the second straight year. Although that doesn't mean anything as of today, I guess I should point out. But $18 million a year player, fourth at the position behind Donald Buckner and Jones, who's going to be playing in the Super Bowl. There was a time, when, probably when you were with the team, and as recently as a few years ago, where you might have said you can't pay Payne after you've paid Allen and have 2D tackles taking up $38 million AAV per year. You just can't do that and then pay your defensive ends and, and still get where you want to go. Should we still view it that way? Or because of Payne's 11 and a half sacks, because he and Allen were a Fletcher Cox, you know, Javon Hargrave type tandem in the middle, is it okay for them to pay Payne 20, to pay Allen 18, and maybe figure the rest out, even if that means they can't pay a sweat or a, a cam curl or something like that? I think that's where it gets tough is that Montez Sweat obviously is going into that fifth year option year, so the same timeline for when uh, Jonathan Allen got his extension, and I would probably prioritize getting one of those edge players done on top of your interior guys. So, you know, you mentioned Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox. Those guys are making 13 and $14 million a year, uh, so a little bit less, and that's how they're able to then bring in Hassan Reddick and add him to a room with Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat and so on and so forth. Look, you know, as good as they are in the interior, and like we're saying, it's so valuable, I still think – you know, approaching $40 million a year uh, is really, really tough to then spend elsewhere. And then B, uh, you look, Jonathan Allen, I think Payne's a good player. I think Allen's a better player. One example in recent memory, the Miami Dolphins, they bring in uh, Byron Jones, the outside cornerback, and the next offseason, Xavier Howard, with four years left on his deal, says, well, I'm the best cornerback on this team, and he's now making more money than I am. Explain how that makes sense to me or give me a new deal. Uh, that's a potential risk you take. You give Payne 20, and, and Jonathan Allen says, I know you just signed me. You gave me a great structure, a $30 million signing bonus. It's a great deal. But you know what? I refuse to be the second-highest-paid player at my position on this team, uh, so we're going to have to revisit that. Yeah, I've been more productive. I'm the one giving the speeches. I got to see on my jersey. I could see that happening for sure. To clarify, are you saying you would prioritize sweat over pain? Or because I added curl to the question, were you saying sweat over curl? Uh, I was saying sweat over pain uh, okay. if you're looking at the defensive line. I think Cam Curl's a really good player as well. Uh, you know, he's been very, very important to this defense. I think a guy that they should want to bring back. Um, but, you know, if we were just talking about up front in terms of saving money, you know, Curl's not going to break the bank at safety as much as a guy on the defensive line would. Um, you know, I, I would say, hey, let's get an early extension done for sweat. 
let's not let him go into you know a potential franchise tag or you know go into free agency, etc. Uh, let's maybe maybe franchise tag and explore trades for Deron Payne uh, to not just get the compensatory pick and get some more you know value in return. Um, but I would focus my efforts more, I think, on extending Montez Sweat this offseason. Brad Spielberger with us here. All Grant and Danny. Uh, Brad, one more sort of pain related, but this is, I guess, general as well with the NFL. Deron Payne for a few years was one thing. Good, solid, strong, you know, run stuffer, the occasional bit of penetration, yada, yada, yada. This year broke out in that regard. How do you view those kinds of breakouts, especially when it comes around contract time, right? To me, I think he developed, but I'm also not the one that's got to make a multi-million dollar decision, right? Just kind of go to the criteria there of of how you evaluate career year or contract year versus growth and, and, and kind of where's the line meet. Yeah, it's a great question. It's something we've studied a bunch and something I'm probably going to do some content on later this offseason. So the one thing that we have looked into a bunch, though, is those growth curves and, and kind of the learning curve at each position. And when we see, you know, based on position, guys kind of come into their stride and become the player they are. And so, you know, at some positions you would say, oh, is it a contract year? And is he just maybe putting in more effort? Um, for this position, I would say no. You know, tight end is one we always talk about. You just don't really see guys produce until year three or so. And then interior defensive line, I mean, you look at, yes, Payne is a year ahead of these guys, but we also saw, I mean, Quinton Williams is always a good player, but I think now he has a true breakout season for the Jets. Dexter Lawrence is always a good player. Now he has a true breakout season for the Giants. I think the same thing happened with Payne. I don't think it was a lack of effort or him showing up because he wants a new deal. You know, I think he just fundamentally got better as a pass rusher. I also think they used a little bit differently. They went to the, you know, they've moved from 4-3 to 3-4 and or maybe vice versa with Jack Del Rio. And so it's kind of been, been different things or different assignments for him. Um, and, and I think he just took that stride in this season. Brad Spielberger, PFF underscore Brad, does a great job breaking down the salary cap and some of the money and the numbers in the National Football League, and he's been on the team side, and he gets it. Uh, You had an interesting tweet today that I think sings to me. I'll be very honest. But I just want to get your your larger thoughts. Washington is implementing what they call this coach-centric approach, where Ron Rivera is the head coach and the VP football ops, and he checks the Gatorade, and he, he passes out the water, and he does the whole thing. I know that when you were reacting to the news that Frank Reich said, that Scott Fitterer, the GM in Carolina, would essentially be in charge of the roster. You said, good sign, let GMs GM. What do you make of coach-centric approaches, and what about teams that kind of have GMs in name only? Yeah, it's not a knock on coaches that want more control, and I do think, I don't think fans realize how many buildings you know, think that, oh, you know, the GM is in charge of the roster, they have final say, the coach just gives input, and it's usually the reverse. Um, so I get that. But for me, it's just the NFL is too hard uh, of a job to do that. And you look at the Super Bowl. Yes, Andy Reid is heavily involved in personnel. But Brett Veach is a very empowered general manager. Howie Rosen in Philadelphia is the most you know, powerful person in that building. That didn't matter who was there. When he's the GM, he is making the calls and, and making the moves. And I just think you need to delegate responsibilities. It is simply too hard to do all of these things or to be the main person doing all these things. So that said, I mean, they do obviously have kind of co-GMs in place with Mayhew and Herney. Um, and, and I think the foundation there is okay. And so I get that Rivera wants to be very hands-on, wants to, you know, really be in charge of it. But if I was, you know, constructing a front office, for me, I would say, look, I want the coach to go to the GM. This is the type of player I want. This is the skill set I'm looking for. You know, we want the guy to do this. We want you to find a player that excels in this area. 
But then I would say, okay, great. Thank you for your input. I'm going to go make these moves. You're not going to call me and say, hey, I love this kid. I met him at some event, so give him $2 million more than, I, than you want to. No, I'll set the value. I'll make the decision. If he's out of our price range, tough luck. I'm going a different direction. I don't care that he, you, know, you loved coaching him five years ago. That, I think, is where you get into, into, into trouble. Brad, big picture from these teams that were in the Final Four, and now you've got your two teams vying for the championship. Uh, my longstanding belief here is everything else is just window dressing. This is the number one offense in the league against the number two offense in the league in terms of points scored. There's not a lot of mystery going on. If you're a great offense, you got a great chance to be in the Final Four, which means you got a great chance that things break your way uh, to vie for a championship. That's my big takeaway this year. Love your thoughts on that, and then, and then kind of give me yours about the group that made it here to the semifinals, conference finals, and ultimately the Super Bowl that, that teams should be trying for. That is today's NFL. You know, the, the old adage of defense wins championships, maybe applied 20, 30 years ago. It no longer is a fact in any way, shape, or form. Look, defense still matters. Obviously, you know, teams like San Francisco with a third-string quarterback are in that game for a reason. But the four teams in the conference championship were the first, second, third, and sixth EPA per play offense this season. Uh, and that's you go back, you know, the last five or six years, that's what you're seeing over and over again. You know, that is EPA per play is a context-adjusted and down-and-distance-adjusted, you know, efficiency metric on offense. But but, yeah, that, that, that's the NFL. So um, that's not going to change. Uh, and, and that is, again, why we go back to the original conversation, as good of a player as Deron Penny is, as good as it is to have a good defense, it's why you can go around 500 in Washington. If you want to win 12, 13 games, go deep in the playoffs. I don't care if you're the best defense in the history of the NFL. If you can't throw the ball and move the ball on offense, you're probably not going to be playing in those games. Brad, as a cap expert, we're having you on a day after we found out how much the salary cap was expected to jump. I can't imagine that was much of a surprise. I'm sure these teams know these numbers before we all find them out. But what was your takeaway from the new cap number? What could it mean for teams like Washington in the middle of the pack right now in cap space for this offseason? Yeah, I think this was expected. We had $225 million as a placeholder over the cap. Um, we kind of had some conversations with, with some league people and club people, and, and that was the consensus of where it would land, and obviously it landed right there. So it is still a good number, though. 8% growth is one of the largest year-to-year grow, uh, growth in the salary cap in a long time. We're getting back on track from you know, the COVID drop in 2021 where it went down to $182 million. I think you are going to see some aggressive spending and some teams feeling more comfortable you know, giving out these bigger deals. There's TV money and gambling money and 17th game money and more playoff game money. Um, you know, All these things, we're actually now seeing it as opposed to just knowing it's coming. Um, I think teams are going to be aggressive and we're going to see markets grow uh, this offseason. You know, obviously, interior defensive line at the top of that list, but others as well. Putting you on the spot here a little bit, Brad, but give me a good team. So it's easy for a, a, a team that's down at the bottom. Like I think the Bears are going to have a ton of cap space. Duh, right? I mean they're you know they're starting to build. But give me a good team or a team that at least has some potential in your eyes that's in a good cap situation that you you want to keep an eye on. Yeah. So you know Cincinnati obviously has to start taking care of their players internally. You know T Higgins and Joe Burrow maybe get massive contracts this offseason, but they're fourth for us in salary cap space and. They, you know, even last offseason didn't go crazy. They did address their offensive line, which they probably still need to keep adding pieces to, but didn't splurge and, you know, go out and give Brandon Sheriff $16.5 million a year uh, and ended up having the lowest grade of his career by about 20 points, you know, per, per our charting. So they, they were smart with their spending. I think one other one um, is Seattle, too. Kind of clear the books. You, get, you don't pay Russell Wilson, you know, $49 million a year over five years. Again, they're going to have to pay Geno Smith, but – 
I think now they can spend around him. They can upgrade some spots there with their great draft class and another, you know, a, a lot of draft capital going into this year. I think they could make a leap next season potentially um, by, you know, adding some more pieces around Geno Smith. He's Brad Spielberger, Grant and Danny right here on 106.7, the fan catching up with him. Do you think Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, any or all are on different teams next year? I think the old guys will be on new teams. I think Tom Brady uh, to San Francisco makes a ton of sense, especially now with Brock Purdy's injury, or maybe he goes to Las Vegas and reunites with Josh McDaniels, tries to convince Gronk to come, so on and so forth. Um, and then for Rodgers, it's just the way his contract was structured, and I promise you don't want me to go, you know, go into why, but it makes more sense to trade him this offseason than it does next offseason. He, he, would, he would push money out into the future, and it would actually be a bigger financial penalty for Green Bay if they waited another year. So I think that's going to be the impetus for a trade. I'll throw out the Jets just as a team that I think does make a lot of sense. Um, but, yeah, I think both of those guys are gone. With Lamar, I think he'll get the exclusive franchise tag, about $45 million right now, um, and then they'll try to iron out a long-term deal, and I'll guess they do, but I think it's going to be a battle that goes until, you know, maybe August and this offseason with Lamar. What would you do if you were the Bears with that number one overall pick and also Justin Fields? I think you have to really heavily explore the trade-down market and try to convince you know, you have obviously Houston at two, but I think you want to go further than that. Indianapolis at four would be my ideal spot. I think you still could get Jalen Carter from Georgia or Will Anderson from Alabama. And you go down, you probably get a 2024 first from Indianapolis, maybe the 35th overall pick this year, which is their second rounder. Um, that is the ideal thing for me. I think taking a player at one overall when you have trade offers available is not the way to go about it. Again, you can't take a terrible deal, um, but I think if you're getting offers, you go for it. And then, look, I know fans, you know, I just mentioned Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, and Bears fans don't want to, oh, we're going to miss out on generational talents, yada, yada. Look, if Carolina or Las Vegas is calling at, you know, what, eight and nine or wherever they're picking in the top ten, and they're making you this godfather offer with, you know, multiple future first-round picks, you have to do it. You really do. Um, so that's what I would do is trade down, get a good defensive or offensive lineman with that first-rounder, and then, you know, use all those extra assets to just build up the trenches, Bring another wide receiver in for Justin Fields and, and go from there. Brad Spielberger, you see why we love having him on. He's excellent. Pro Football Focus is where you can go, go check him out. Thanks for the time. We appreciate you. Yes, thank you guys so much. See you, Brad. So four years and $80 million is what he is speculating. Uh, he prepares basically projected contracts, and they're really close normally with what they do. He's worked in a front office. He's really good at that. Giving contract offers and giving numbers to a GM before and it's it's the whole industry. That's what he's doing. Uh, we have him on. We have Joel Corey on to talk about this. So if it's four and eighty, and it exceeds John Allen money, who's at eighteen million AAV, is that something you'd be willing to do on a long term deal for Payne? Now, look, if he's going to play three of the next four years, like he played this year, let's just say he stays fully healthy in three years and is great. Then that's perfectly fine. Then that's what it, that's what it costs, right? There's nothing wrong. Yeah, you're paying for a, a lot of production, and you're getting a lot of production. What I do worry about, though, is what he said about Allen. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. You're John Allen. That's your room. You know, those two guys. Remember, they got into it on the sideline. They're good buddies. Yeah, they're brothers, man. But John Allen's kind of the leader of the team at this point. He's uh -huh. the one giving the speech at the fifty. He has been more productive than Deron Payne this year. Payne had more sacks. I think you could make the case Payne was more impactful, certainly made more plays. 
I'm not sure that he was better than Allen. John Allen over a two-year, three-year, four-year sample has been the better player. How would he feel about suddenly being the second highest paid defensive tackle in the room? I think that's a fair question. It is. I mean, my hope is that Allen's such a, a good dude that he would understand the nature of the league and he got his turn and he raised the 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 the, the tide for every future defensive tackle. It just so happened that one next to him got to take advantage of that. That's that's the league. That's how things work, right? I mean, you sort of push for those sorts of things. I remember having a conversation got forever ago with Ian Desmond about shortstops and you know, elevating their pay and making sure that that was something that was really important to him, not only for him, but for the next shortstop from, from uh, you know, wherever he's from in Florida. Those kind of things matter to guys at, at times. So you would hope that John Allen would, would say, yep, I got mine. I'm in, I'm in a great position. I'm awesome. This is still my squad. Nothing changes. But you could also see some feelings and, and feel in some type of way about that. Just posted a poll. You can go vote on uh, the poll right now at Grant H. Paulson. I said, would you re-sign Deron Payne if it took four years and $80 million to do it? Right now, 58% of people are saying yes. 42% are saying no. It's actually a little closer than I would have thought. First couple hundred votes uh, in. So uh, just worth throwing those early results out there. Watched a great sports documentary last night, Danny. I want to tell you about that. Plus, the Wizards won in San Antonio yesterday for the first time since the 90s. What were you doing in 1999? We'll have to get into memory uh, lane. Hop back in the Wayback Machine next on Grant and Danny. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 